0: are, and we're live. Anthony Napolitan. What's up, dude?
1: What up, man? How are you?
0: I'm good. I was just telling you I'll finally get a chance to breathe for today. How are you?
1: Uh, doing great. Just been running around. Had a hectic, I don't know, last four days or whatever. I was up in Sedona, Arizona for a bike festival. And uh had to leave a day early, so I come home and pack, and then I'm off to Brazil tomorrow morning.
0: Jeez, yeah, I want to talk more about both of those things, but before we get to there, I wanted to ask you how your day was and what you do today?
1: <laughs> yeah, literally just, uh, see, so yeah, I woke up, uh, packed, started packing clothes, did like one load of laundry, um, just did like some quick cycles on that because I want to get some time to go to the skate park because I was on the mountain bike for four or five days in a row, so it's nice to go to the Vulcan Bowl and just kind of pump around and hit some airs here and there. Um, So I did that for about an hour or so. And then I've kind of just been hanging, just uh, double checking all the travel lists, making sure I'm doing everything right, making sure I have everything, make sure GoPros are charged, iPads are charged, earbuds are charged. You know how it goes. Yeah, it's
0: it's always a freaking madness chaos in your head because i feel like bmx riders were too stubborn to like alright i'm gonna actually make a list i'm just gonna <laughs> remember everything
1: yeah yeah i was checking the weather in brazil too it's not looking so favorable right now so i threw a rain jacket into the bag as well Ugh. but uh hopefully it changes it's down where leandro lives uh, just out of sao paulo is uh, this time of year, they're kind of going into winter or fall, I guess, since we're going into spring here pretty soon, or mm-hmm. already are. I don't even know. But um, anyways, it's starting to get a little rainy down there. So usually uh, he holds the contest earlier in the year. So it's almost kind of like back to back with the first uh, triple challenge event. Mm. But uh, he's kind of spaced it out a bit now. So
0: Okay. I guess since we're already started on that topic, what what's the... Are you, it's a contest
1: yeah yeah so it is uh, this is probably the fifth year that he's done it and I've gone for the years but uh, it's at the Curie Curie Capoe, it's so hard to say Curie Capoeba, uh DMX jumps they've been there for like over 20 years they're legendary um, you've probably seen the ride cover of Diogo Camina doing a huge Superman sea grab with the Sunset City in the background Mm. Uh, and then obviously, if you follow Leandro, like everything he posts is pretty much from mm. those trails. Um, but he's got a pretty sweet deal. Um, I'm not entirely—I can't remember what the, the name of the station is—but they are one of the biggest uh, sports stations in Brazil. And uh, just because South America is so rad, even when his contest isn't going on, it's almost like a old style like fuel TV, where they're constantly playing. It's like they mix mainstream sports and action sports together all on one channel, but it's constant throughout the year, which is pretty cool. Nice. So you can literally tune in at any day and be like, oh, cool, sk- skating's on, or BMX is on, or surfing's on, oh, football's on, whatever, you know? Huh. But they broadcast that throughout the entire country of Brazil, and it's all live.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah, not many people know about it, um, but yeah, it's a pretty big deal. For uh, BMX dirt, in my opinion,
0: I would say so. I mean, it's how long have they been doing that?
1: I think this is the fifth year. Of, yeah.
0: Of like broadcasting the stuff. Yep.
1: Yeah. and it's a production. They bring grandstands in. They, it's it's honestly when I'm there, it's like it's like a like a Brazilian X Games. You know, it's like they have guys at different points with like the huge cameras, like up on. Uh, the scaffolding platforms like they have people holding us telling us when we can drop in like it's it's really well put together
0: Wow so is it got like big name Brazilian sponsors or something like how do they even fund that
1: it does yeah they have big name Brazilian sponsors. I think a lot of the funding comes from the from the TV company as well um, but yeah they do I think I saw Leandro like is involved with some cable internet sponsorship now so I'm sure they're in the mix doing stuff, and yeah.
0: Huh. He's definitely got a smile for TV, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does, and he's, <laughs> he's always smiling. Uh, they love him in Brazil too, so he's just you know, he's in his element when he's there.
0: Yeah. Do you know the name of that station? Did you say it already?
1: I do not know the name of the station. I I actually can't remember. I, I actually have no clue what it could be.
0: Okay, well, I'm sure somewhere it could get found out. Somebody just said it gets streamed live on YouTube as well. So,
1: Oh, cool. That. Perfect. There's yeah. that.
0: Yeah, that's so sick. I can't believe i never even heard of that before.
1: Yeah, it's really that. It, man, South America is so sick. It has, like, probably the best, one of the best dirt jumping scenes in the world. It's, like, Brazil, Colombia, Chile, Argentina. They all have insane dirt spots. And I think, like, Chile has, like, Five really gnarly ones that are like all relatively close to each other as well.
0: Huh, so we're going to have a whole bunch more Gustavos coming out soon.
1: Oh, you have no idea. I remember back in like 2008, I believe, I Alejandro Caro flew me to Brazil um, for a contest that he was putting on. It was called Red Bull Upside Down, and uh, it was in this little town called Buga, Colombia. And we, me, Brandon Dosh, TJ Ellis, we went there for. think a whole week and he kind of took us around his scene and there are so many dirt jumping spots and so many stylish riders. Like it was like, I remember when we were there, we were saying that like Columbia just has a ton of like unknown Corey Bowens. And that's exactly what it was. Just the most stylish dudes riding bikes and boosting to the moon. And with just virtually unknown names, you know? Wow. You would think
0: that, It must be really difficult to like start BMX as an industry down there because you'd think there'd be more of it
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it too is just the way the countries are run too. I know like Brazil has a huge import tax on You know importing stuff like BMX parts and frames or whatnot So I assume like a lot of the other countries in South America have similar issues, you know
0: Yeah, it must be the same way with like material if somebody down there was gonna start making
1: frames or parts yeah, exactly.
0: Huh? That's wild, dude. I, I mean, it's really cool that that's happening and consistently going, and it's probably just keep getting bigger, I would guess.
1: Yeah, every year uh, the contest seems to grow, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. I didn't get to go last year, um, but I had gone the past, like, previous three years, so I'm excited to go back. Brazil is one of my probably top travel-to countries. I'd say Brazil, China and new zealand are the top three places that i've uh, done return trips the most and i want to say brazil and china would be pretty close they're probably anywhere from 10 to 15 trips uh separate trips give or take wow that's wild
0: and is it is brazil like mainly jumping stuff
1: yeah i mean the for the longest time it was like the mega ramp that was taking me to Brazil oh yeah. Because we used to do like a this Mega Ramp event down there. And that brought me down there for a handful of years and then what else? Yeah, it was really just Mega Ramp. And then there was a big lull where I didn't go for a super long time and then Leandro started doing these contests again and next thing you know I'm like five more trips deep so that's so sick.
0: Well, I don't want to delay it any further because I put it in the title. Let's oh, just yeah. go ahead go. and do it. Yeah. Guess what, What everyone? (laughs) Guess (laughs) freaking what? This is back. Well, it's not back yet. Galaxy Rest is coming back very
1: soon. Yes, it is uh, dropping next week, the week of the 13th.
0: Yes, and let me pull up the info here. So the info is that it's going to be available through local bike shops, shipping the week of March 11th. So you got to reach out to the local shop.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that I learned through the release of Galaxy Rust the first time around was, uh, yes, it came up pretty quick. It was pretty limited, which this batch is also limited in more than one way, and we'll get to that uh, in a bit. But uh, the best thing is now that people know what Galaxy Rust is and they really want it, um, get a hold of your local bike shop. If you know of a bike shop in particular that, uh, deals in profile racing parts, uh, pretty heavily, definitely reach out there because as soon as these things go live for the shops to purchase, it's going to be a feeding frenzy again, and they're all going to be gone super quick. So if you have any inclination that, uh, you want to buy, you know, a set of hubs and galaxy rust, get on it sooner than later
0: yeah i'll give my personal experience because actually this whole entire thing stemmed from my personal experience yes,
2: last really time did. because yeah.
0: i i wanted one of those sets of hubs so bad and i didn't find out about them until after everything and the shops were starting to get their sets and i would message every single person i knew who had a shop and they're like sorry somebody's already spoken for these things and i was like no. so i literally painted <laughs> my own and yes i'm excited for you to see that in person one day but like that it's just funny to me that that happening that long ago and me talking to you at woodward is what originally like spawned this whole idea
1: yeah exactly and you know you weren't the you weren't the only one that was trying to create kind of their own galaxy wrestling either there's i I can't remember his Instagram. Jonathan uh, to, to the T, but his his Instagram is like Brooklyn something or other. Um, but he got like an, an entire frame anodized oh, yeah. like Galaxy Rust, and then also hubs. Yep. Um, he I don't I believe he didn't buy the hubs, but he or maybe he bought his hubs, hubs or Galaxy couldn't Rust. Get his, okay, but he couldn't get a stem, so he had the stem done or something like that. Yeah, his um,
0: frame is crazy.
1: Yeah, and then there were so many different, uh, different people doing stuff kind of like that, such as yourself. And I literally started screenshotting a lot of them. And I was like texting him to Matt, like, Hey, we need to do another run. We need to do another run. Let's do it. Yeah. He's like, all right. He's like, I'm going to take all these screenshots that you sent me. And he's like, I'm going to go have a meeting with Jim and we're going to see if we'd get another round rolling. So.
0: Yeah. And I'm trying to find my, uh, my thumbnail from the video I made. There we go pull mine up on the screen because i was super proud of it i feel like it if you look at it and you put them side by side to the one you've got right there it's like oh, yeah it's actually pretty close
1: yeah and for those of you i don't know though that maybe you're joining in and don't know what the galaxy rust is but this is actually one of the the prototype well you wouldn't even call it a prototype it was really just a sample that we did with the anodizer so I rode the samples, tested them for quite a long time, probably six, six, seven, eight months maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and everything held up as far as the anodizing went. You know, we didn't want to put something from a new anodizer out there that wasn't going to stand to the test of time. And uh, it worked out. So I actually sent this back to Matt. This was a blank hub, but now you can see it says Profile Racing on there and it says Galaxy Rust like right up in here. Uh, But I sent this back to Matt and he pressed it to a trophy stand for me. And it just says Anthony Napalton, Galaxy Rust 2021.
0: Yeah, that's so sick. So a couple, a little bit more information here. Uh, Yeah. For BMX, it is hub sets only. There's 80 sets of right-hand drive mini that are going to be available. 25 sets of left-hand drive then 45 right hand drive sets of elite and 20 left hand drive sets of elite. So it's kind of crazy to think that like how many sets went out the first time? Do you know?
1: You know what? I don't know. And that's probably something I should ask for Matt. Um, But when I was talking to Matt the other day, he was saying um, in his head, he thought it was going to be even less than what it was. And then once he got everything back and started – putting it into stock and figuring out what was going where he was like, oh, wow, we actually have like a pretty decent size considering, uh, you know, what's going on in the industry. So and the and the reason I know that I've got a lot of messages too, a lot of people are like, oh, if you bought a, you know, round of hubs the first time, do they get dibs on stems or sprockets or whatever? Unfortunately, this run has zero stems and zero sprockets and the uh reasoning behind that is just materials are still super hard to come by Uh, profile has a lot of products that they're constantly doing and they only uh, churn out hubs i think a couple times a week and the galaxy rust stuff is so special because a lot of it's done in-house most of the hubs usually go out to a polisher Mm -hmm. and uh they're polished and sent back to profile and then they send those out to the anodizer. um, As to where Galaxy Rest is all done in-house, so they do in-house polishing on it. And that was kind of the mistake that we made the first time around with Galaxy Rest, was we sent it out to the polisher. And at the time, all the COVID stuff was happening, and a lot of stuff was delayed. So um, Matt wanted to go a more in-house route this time and do all the hand polishing, uh, kind of himself, like right there at Profile Racing. Nice, but the materials for, you know, making hub stem sprockets has still been a very difficult thing for Profile to get a grasp back on. Um, so they're kind of just spreading out what they have as evenly as they can, so that they can keep, you know, all the normal colors and stuff, and just for kind of like the one-off colorway stuff, it makes it's kind of just made things a little bit um, a limited run.
0: Makes sense also there are some elite mountain bike hubs in this run
1: yes which a lot of people didn't realize uh we did the first time as well yeah so they're definitely out there actually i visited epic bmx the other day and fu has actually a couple sets of the mountain bike stuff Oh wow. and then i guess he has some stuff in the back that he won't let anyone have though either <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's funny yeah uh i don't know if i'm gonna be able to make it happen this time but i might have to look into it uh so with the mountain bike stuff we've got i believe this means single speed there's 32 rears yes non-disc says 32 fronts Yeah. then boost there's 32 each of front and rear and super boost 32 rear
1: yeah, so I can explain that a little bit too. because um, I don't know how many mountain bike guys we have in the, I in the don't video know what it means. right now. <laughs> um so single speed rear is gonna be just like a normal it's gonna be a normal BMX hub with a disc with a disc on it. So you put a disc brake. Um, these like single speed thirty-two rear and non-disc thirty-two front are gonna be hubs that would be used for like a dirt jumper build. So a twenty six inch wheelbase. Basically a BMX bike, but just 26. Um, So most of them are done uh, non-disc 32 front because there's really not too many dirt jumper guys that run front brakes. So they just kind of cut the loss with it and just did no uh, non-disc up front. Uh, Boost 32 rears and boost 32 fronts are going to be like trail bike sizing. So usually uh, mountain bikes that have a 150 millimeter width spacing for hubs um which that's a total mountain bike thing i'm not going to go into too much detail with it okay (laughs) because i'm sure the bmx guys don't care (laughs) and then super boost is going to be made for downhill bikes so basically it's 150 mil or wider well it's wider than 150 mil so gotcha and then you know i don't think matt put them uh, actually i won't even mention it we'll see if we'll see i don't want to I don't want to stab myself in the foot or whatever so
0: no worries (laughs) Uh, so some people are wondering uh, if you can buy them on their website this time it looks like from what I see notes wise it's gonna only be available through local shops
1: yep it's only gonna be available through local shops yeah and in the first time around we didn't have them uh, we didn't have on the site either because they just got eaten up so quick by all the local shops Uh, by all means check for um, mail orders because you know guys like albies are gonna have um, um you know there's a lot of mail orders out there i almost every bike shop now feels like a mail order am i am i correct i so sort of yeah kind of feels that way right so yeah. but yeah if you don't have a local bike shop that carries profile or has access to getting profile uh, i would definitely call a mail order and see if you can snag them
0: There's people probably making phone calls right now. (laughs) Like, Albies, why are you closed? Yeah, exactly. People text and flip, I need it. Uh, So then when it comes to international stuff, the notes here say the distros they go through internationally profile Europe, Elite Cycle Imports, that's Australia, Country Bikes in Germany, ABP France, Motocross inter- International is Japan. Republica BMX is Colombia. And Snap is UK.
1: Yep. Those are the spots. So if you guys are in those countries, that's where you're going to be able to get it.
0: Yes. So now that we got all the info out of the way, I want to get the background on these things. Yeah, what, for sure. Like, where did that idea even come from? And is the final result that you have like with the trophy thing is that
1: what you originally thought of or so the original idea of galaxy rust wasn't going to be galaxy it was just going to be like a rust looking colorway so i actually had all these samples of rusted things like rusted shovels pickaxes like all kinds of stuff. I was taking photos of that and i was thinking because at the time like they were doing a lot of stuff with, uh, I believe it was like hydro dipping, where they were mm-hmm. like dipping the parts and getting, getting like kind of whatever print you put on it. Yep. Um, so I wanted to do something like that. And then this was, this was actually around, I think, was it around Swamp Fest time? Or no, this is before like one of the first Swamp Fests, because this project took forever to kind of develop it, just especially with COVID, put it back like way put a big damper on it a lot of holding time it felt like we worked on the project for three years before we seen a sample you know yeah um, so anyways it started off as like a patine like rust looking vision and then um, as Matt and I started to work on things a little bit we just started to kind of snowball into other ideas and he had come across an anodizer um, that was doing multiple color anodizes, like that kind of splatter effect. And he was like, Hey, what do you think about this stuff? He's like, let's send some samples out to him. And uh, he's like, pick three or four colors in the order that you want them. And then we'll send samples out and see what they look like when they come back. I was like, all right, cool. So right before Swamp Fest happened, um, Matt's like, dude, I got the samples. They look so sick. And I happened to be going to Swamp Fest that year. So Went down. Matt picked me up from the airport. Went over to Profile, checked the samples out, and I was like, "Dude, these are so sick!" So then my mind just started rolling a little bit with that. Like I'm kind of a, a Marvel, like Star Wars, Disney nerd, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Man, it looks like a like the hub just looks like a like a outer space galaxy, like something crazy bright." Yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, how about Galaxy Rust?" And Matt's like, "Dude, I think that's perfect." And then uh, I started, like, I sent him artwork for, like, the Star Wars logo that always flashes before. And that's kind of the font that we use to, to laser etch into the hub and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where all that came from.
0: Dude, it literally, have you ever seen uh, Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: Yeah, that's exactly. Nowhere. That's, like, when I saw it, that was, yeah, that was the first thing that, uh, that I realized. I was like, this is, like, some Guardians of the Galaxy looking stuff.
0: Literally, I just pulled a picture of the the whatever nowhere is. I can't remember yeah. in the movie, yeah. but it right. looks just like it. <laughs> that's yeah. so funny. That's really cool. So it's cool to hear how it <clears throat> kind of developed. So, like, <clears throat> did you just get the sample back with the first colors, and you were just like, "Oh, that's it," and that's the hub thing that you have right there?
1: Yeah, we knew it. Yeah, uh, actually, I don't know. I can't remember if this was one of the first samples. So sometimes when they sample stuff, they take um, like, you know, maybe some blemish parts or whatever. It's usually Mm. parts that are laying around that they can't do anything with. Um, So I don't think that this was one of those. I believe like once we got the ball rolling um, and we knew what we wanted to do, he started pulling stock for it and getting everything that we wanted to have sent to the anodizer. And when they came back, he just automatic like like I said, this didn't even have, uh, this didn't have any laser etching on it yet. So he sent it to me like this, no laser etching. I built up the hubs and wrote them for no joke, probably six to eight months. And that's how long it took for like the laser etching and everything to go down in house because it was during COVID times. And it was like the, the shop was just overhauled at that point. So it took, a, it took a super long time to, to get like the actual um, stuff that we were going to sell all finished and done and like ready to be put on the shelves, you know?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> that's, that's a cool process to hear about. And did you think that it was going to instantly become like the most popular profile colorway ever?
1: No, not at all. I was, I was super, you know, Matt actually had really good insight to it. He, when he first saw it, he was like, dude, this is going to be one of the best selling hubs ever at profile. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like whatever, dude. But at the same time, I was like, well, he knows, he knows better than anyone else, you know? Mm -hmm. But I was, I was a little skeptical because like, I'm, I'm sure you saw like the, the bike hoarding article I did, like all of my bikes are crazy colors. So I just love, I love colors. I love messing with colors, color clashing, all, all the above. Um, so I was like, obviously super psyched on the way the hubs turned out, but I was very curious to see if it would be a thing for everyone else. Because a a lot of times you go to a skate park and everyone has a black bike, you know? So I was very curious and it just, yeah, it just caught, caught fire super quick. And before you knew it, like, after 24 hours of them going live for bike shops to buy they were like gone and it was like an insane feeding frenzy i think even to this day you can try and look them up on i don't know like ebay or somewhere and people are trying to sell for ridiculous pricing
0: that's i'm not surprised because i was looking for them literally right when they were hitting bike shops for sale and i was finding them online for like it was somebody was asking on like bmx museum or something For like 700 bucks for the set. And
1: I was like, wow. Already? It's been a week.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely really, uh, it was really shocking to me. I was, I was tripping on it. I was like, wow, this is nuts. And that was another reason, too, where I was like, I was like, look, Matt, it's like a feeding frenzy. We need to do more. And he's like, I agree. So we got it rolling again. And this, the, the second time around has, has been, uh, much quicker than the first time uh, especially since we didn't have to go through designing logos and and that whole thing like we already knew what we were going to do so I want to say Matt and I started talking about it like mid summer last year Mm. and then kind of started to get the ball rolling uh, in the fall so they literally just came back from um, the anodizer like two weeks ago I think maybe three weeks ago Gotcha. So they've just been in-house doing all the laser etching and getting them ready to, to package up and ship out to wherever they're going.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I just found the the post on BMX Museum. It was a mini hub set with a stem, and it was asking $800, and it was sold. So it was posted the 4th of November and sold the 6th of November.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's that's insane. (laughs) That's
0: so crazy. Yeah, so crazy. So that's. I mean, it's probably gonna happen again.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Um, I hope that you know, as long as people are psyched on it, I hope that we can do a third and fourth and fifth run. You know, Uh, it's. I told Matt, I just want to keep pushing it until we actually get somewhere close to a full pool of production, because obviously we're we're not getting any sprockets or stems in this round. I mean, in the first round we didn't do any sprockets at all. Yeah. And, and Matt only had, I run a 20, uh, 28, nine on my BMX. And Matt only had the ability to get me a 25 five two, like oh, the first wow. round. So I put it on my bike for a little bit. And then eventually I was just like, I can't gerbil around like this anymore. I get but, it. Yeah. So I ended up switching it up, but, um, yeah i hope i hope one day uh we get a full full we get more stems more sprockets just the the full range of it that way um it's not so hectic for everyone
0: yeah it's pretty wild to think that there's more than likely after this run only going to be like less than 200 possible bikes that bmx bikes that these could be on
1: yeah it's pretty wild actually and it's really cool. I've seen a couple sets in the wild too. So I get like really pumped to see it because I don't know where they're going. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I was telling people and I'll say it again too. Um, if you purchase a set and you get them all built up and on your bike, take some photos, post them on Instagram. I am more than happy to, uh, repost them on my stories because I love seeing it. I want to support everyone that's going out there, spending their hard earned money on on bike parts especially ones that have my name behind them and uh if you if you end up with a with a set fire it over on instagram i'll post it up
0: absolutely and that just reminded me too there's another thing here uh you can see where some of these hubs are going in the u.s in profiles stories on their instagram
1: oh oh yes that's right i remember matt doing that uh last time they dropped it was like this one's going out to empire this one's going to albies like the whole deal that's cool yeah
0: i'm stoked to see them they're coming back i'm even more stoked that we could friggin' announce it here
1: (laughs) yeah it's yeah i mean and again it all just branched from me seeing you painting them and going through that process and i was like man that's so crazy I know it's probably like a year ago where we even talked about doing this right now. Yeah, so. literally.
0: I forgot about it until you messaged me however long ago that was. And it was right. like, holy crap, he remembers that more than I do. And he's the one making it happen. <laughs> I was <laughs> Yeah, I try,
1: to, I try to keep notes and, and uh, stay true to the promises, you know? So. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That whole process of painting them was super fun though i was kind of neurotic about it because i wanted it to be <laughs> like as close as humanly possible to the actual thing and uh i'm happy with it so i get i mean is there anything else to talk about with galaxy rust
1: um no i want to say that's pretty much it um you know it just remember it's coming out the week of the 13th so keep an eye on, uh, profile racing and their stories and their posts. Uh, one other thing, actually, we are going to do a, uh, galaxy rust giveaway. We're going to do a set of, we haven't come up with a concept yet, but we Mm. are going to do a set of mini hubs, um, up for grabs. So Matt and I are still brainstorming some ideas for the giveaway, but that is going to be a for sure thing. We've got some set aside for the giveaway that is uh, completely separate from the numbers that we read off earlier.
0: Awesome. That's really cool. So stay tuned everywhere that we've talked about and your local shop, if they got profile as a uh, account and everything, and maybe you'll be one of the lucky ones to get some.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just keep an eye on it and uh, pester your local bike shops or mail orders. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, so on that note, I did want to ask, I mean, you did the unclick podcast it was a few months ago at this point, but I did want to ask, yeah. if since we're doing this post that, if there's anything that came up after the fact or during it or anything like that, that you wanted to follow up on.
1: Hmm. Trying to think. So I have to let almost like rewind in my brain and remember what we almost remember what we talked about on the unclick, unclick podcast. Yeah. I probably uh, no, should You know, I was. I was really happy with how the podcast went. Um, I actually got—I was reached out to by such a variety of people after the podcast, um, just because I think BMX kind of mixing in a mountain bike is is happening more often uh, than it used to. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys going out and buying mountain bikes and just having fun on all wheels. Um, so I was like really taken back by that. I was really—I was really psyched that people enjoyed the podcast and they wanted to know more about mountain biking and just kind of reached out to me directly about some of the stuff from it. So it was really good. I was really happy with how it turned out.
0: That's awesome. So you have, you had more people that you've noticed starting to go from like doing just BMX to doing both.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I just came back from a, uh, just the other night I came back from a bike fest in in Sedona and, uh, I was out there and it was unreal. I ran into so many different BMX riders, like Adam Banton rides uh, mountain bikes now too. So I met up with him and his wife and hung out for a bit. And then I was like riding some random trails in Phoenix and I came across like three other BMX riders in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was just really cool. So it's it's been awesome seeing Seeing people and every time I see him too they mention like the Unclick podcast and I'm like man that's so sick like the way you just described riding all bikes blah, blah blah like you know was, mm-hmm. the one dude I forget what he said he was like he was like yeah it just it just all clicked right there for me you know he's like i like the way you explained it to people i was like well cool
0: <laughs> funny that it didn't unclick
1: all <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Am I getting pretty dark out here? Should I turn a light on?
0: Uh, if you have one, sure.
1: Yeah, let me let me turn it on real quick.
0: Send it. Oh, the ambiance has changed. There we go. Oh, that looks great, actually.
1: I didn't think the sun was gonna set that quick, so.
0: Yeah, we're still uh, we're still not quite. Into the springtime. Yeah. So what exactly was this festival thing that
1: you went to? Um, so there's a thing like in mountain biking, it's just called bike festival season. So it's really almost throughout the whole year. Uh Sedona kind of kicks it off though. Basically it's like I don't want to say it's like inner bike because obviously inner bike is a mix of like all cycling yeah. in, under one roof as to where these little like micro festivals are just mountain bike brands. So all the brands go out to wherever the location is. They set up tents, their booths, whatever it is, some festivals, they can sell products. Some festivals just display. Um, And then sometimes there's races that are built into the festivals. Um, Sometimes it's just going out there with a bunch of friends and, and riding everything that's out there, you know? Mm. Um, But there's quite a few, Uh, just did Sedona. There's one in end of March uh, out near Virgin, Utah called uh, Hurricane Bike Festival that I might be going to. I'm sure you've heard of Bentonville, Arkansas before. I was gonna ask about that one. Yeah, they do a big one in Bentonville that I'll be back out at. Um, So there's, there's a ton of them. I hit, oh, and there's Sea Otter too. Sea Otter is like the big one. That's like the one that all the brands go to And like the booths are super expensive And they do a downhill race Like cross country race, dual slalom race So I usually do the dual slalom race When I'm there And then uh, it's just Yeah, it's a wild wild week At uh, Sea Otter
0: I've heard about that that one
1: Yeah, it's really good I mean, Sea Otter's been around forever Like there's older BMX dudes That used to do shows at Sea Otter Like during it So Mm. it's always been kind of like an entertain, There's always been an entertainment aspect to CR uh, along with, you know, the brands getting out there and debuting new product or whatever it is.
0: I gotcha. I, I want to make sure we remember to talk about if BMX could do something like this. But first I want to talk about Dual slalom, because okay, Dual yeah. slalom is crazy. How do you, are you like, are you good?
1: I, I mean, I'm all right. Uh, the first time I went to Sea Otter, I qualified in the finals, which I was pretty surprised on because I don't, I don't come from a racing background. Um, racing is very unknown to me. I, when I started riding BMX, I was like riding flatland and riding street and riding dirt and riding ramps. Like I never, ever raced. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, the closest track was Akron and like, yeah, when I found out about BMX, all my friends were just doing freestyle. So, um racing is very new and, and mountain biking is like, you know, pretty heavily race based as well. Like the, I rode a downhill event that was like my first time ever racing. And I just rode expert and I got third place, I believe or second place. And then, um, I qualified for a handful of dual slalom events like straight acres and sea otter. Um, but it is so much fun, honestly. It, and it's cool for me because Like, I'm not overly competitive about it. I'm literally just out there to have fun and just race people. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's no stress for me. Uh, It's just a really fun event. And honestly, you learn so much too. like, you further your skills and everything, even during the whole event, because it's just such a different, like, version of riding bikes, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. It's, I feel like dual slalom is where I'll break my leg if I try <laughs> because I'm horrible with that kind of stuff where well, like oh, I, yeah.
1: I got I got really into it into the dual slalom racing because there's there's a lot of dual slalom races throughout the year yeah. and like I first started on this like small travel it's called the YT Izzo it's like 130 millimeters of travel and that's kind of on like an aggressive cut like cross-country style bike mm-hmm. and it's full suspension everything but um it's like, it's like stock a 29 wheelbase and, and it's just kind of like not set up for dual slalom, but it was the closest thing that I could get that I could make work. Yeah. And after the first year of riding on it, I was like super pumped and I went all in on the bike, like completely gutted it, like re did new suspension on it all, dropped the wheels down to 27. I had like a 12 speed um cassette on it so now i have a seven speed cassette on it so it is like super light super agile and it's like it's a dual slalom machine now like you if people saw like the way it looked and then the way it looks now they'd be like that's that's not even the same bike that's not even the same frame you know Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i turned the izzo into like a full-on dual slalom rig and it's super fun
0: so i just realized we've gotten this deep into dual slalom conversation and there's a lot of people who probably have no idea what dual True. slalom is yeah. <laughs> so maybe we should just define that for them
1: <laughs> all right yeah so dual slalom is a is a head-to-head downhill race uh the course mirror well i don't want to say it mirrors itself but it, it time wise side. It by mirrors. S- yeah it's side by side the whole time so if the if it if the left lane firms to the left so does the right lane So it is a identical track side by side down the hill and basically the person with the best time wins. So the way it works is you do two races uh, for like your head to head. So if I'm racing you, Brant, we're both gonna race twice. I'm gonna race in the left lane and Mm -hmm. then in the right lane and you're gonna do the same. And basically whoever has um, the less amount of times moves to the next bracket because that would make you the fastest of the two, yeah. um, of the two lanes. So that's basically what dual slalom is. And it's, and it's, uh, set up in a, in a bracket sense, it's head to head. So you just have to keep winning and winning until, you know, you get to the final or get to the top three or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, it's seems like a super cool thing. Um, there's a dude local here who got super into dual slalom and I don't know if you would have ever heard of it or not, but he was the one who was holding the chili cook off at Ray's, but he had this pump track in his backyard and he would do an event there every year. And then fine. He ended up having to sell his house and stuff. So they, he worked super close with this Medina, something like that to build like something. And they built kind of like a dual slalom course at this uh, park bike park thing in Medina and they've yeah. also got a jump line there, so like anybody can go and try this course.
1: Yeah, um cool. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the name of the bike park because I went there, Jay Loychek took me there. It's kind of where do you know who Tommy Zola is? Tommy mm. Zola is like lives in that area too, I believe. Oh, you
0: went to the one in Medina?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, let me I just, just can't look remember it up the name quick. of it. I bet if Jay's watching, he's probably commenting in the comments. Like, it's
0: uh <laughs> Austin Badger Park.
1: Uh man that doesn't that actually doesn't sound like the name it might be a different place but either way
0: austin badger is in medina and that's the one that they built like this course thing on i gotta there's some videos on my channel of it like the building process and some stuff gotcha like that. gotcha but it has the dual slalom setup and every year they do a jam and yeah. they have a dual slalom event with different age brackets and it's really cool
1: that's awesome yeah, that's super cool. I'd say it's fun, but I know that I'll break my leg if I try to do it. <laughs> like, nah, you'd be all right. It's it's really fun. The cool thing is like you can take it in baby steps, you know. Like,
0: yeah, I'll do that.
1: I was, yeah, I was kind of able to to jump into it just because of like obviously my BMX background gives me a lot of control on on a bike,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I ride when I'm home in California. I ride a lot of single track, which is basically climbing up. A mountain and bombing down it so hmm. um but i ride a lot of single tracks so it kind of helps with with like the dual slalom skill
0: yeah it, it just seems like a really cool and fun event but uh how'd the sedona thing go
1: yes uh it was a little crazy it snowed really bad so, i saw
0: your story i was curious
1: yeah so we ended up uh, i have like a group of friends that we kind of just all we're all live in different parts of the country like one one of them lives in does like the van life thing one lives in Boise a couple of them live in Colorado and we all try to just meet up at these festivals or events or whatever um, so we ended up like the whole crew ended up going down to Phoenix for a whole day nice. and riding down there because of snow it was just snowy like it was cold up there in Sedona um, but they did do like kind of two days of the bike festival um, the, the first day like a lot of, a lot of the reasons they like these bike festivals is because the brands can bring their demo fleets in oh. and the consumer can get on the bike and they can ride it. And if they don't like the large, they can try the medium or whatever, you know? Right. Something um, you
0: normally can't do in a local area because shops just can't bring in a whole fleet of bikes from one company.
1: Exactly. And, and by going to the festivals too, if you're a consumer and you're looking to get a new bike or you want to try new bikes, there's like 10 brands that usually have a demo fleet there. So you could ride all 10 in a, in a weekend, you know? Yep. Um, so they weren't doing a lot of the demos because, uh, it was so such bad weather. So, but, uh, by the third day, which was Sunday, uh, they were doing shuttles and and stuff like that. So the trail conditions did get better and it did dry out. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like the full kind of four or five days of riding how it usually is.
0: Yeah, well. But it was should, still fun. You got to go to Phoenix and have a good time.
1: Yeah, everyone hung out, everyone partied, everyone rode a little bit. So it was cool. Actually, I was uh, I wish I had brought my BMX bike because I forgot where the where the festival is there's actually a cement park there
2: Aww. and
1: and it's pretty cool but um ended up uh like my team one of my team managers for yt used to be the old dc skate team manager mm. and one of his dudes that like skates for dc was up there and uh we did like a little under over like video and photo uh when we we're up there but i was on my like 150 millimeter travel bike with like 20 psi in the tires <laughs> and i'm like trying to go as fast as i can to drop into this bowl and hit this hip and i can feel the tires folding up the oh yeah and i'm like oh man this is gnarly like i definitely felt it's like you know when like i could show i feel like i show up at that park and be like oh man i want to do this this and this on that hip or that quarter or this transfer or whatever and you have like a pretty good idea and you know like you're gonna have fun shred in the park but i was like on my mountain bike in a cement park and i was like <laughs> terrified yeah. i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do on this big bike like <laughs> yeah but we made it work we shot like a cool photo and a cool video out of it and, and uh yeah it was awesome
0: that's pretty funny i, I yeah know but that it, it was
1: it was funny though because nobody could ride the trails there were so many mountain bikers going into the skate park trying like <laughs> they walked in and they, they like look around they're like nah this isn't for me or like you'd see a couple dudes come in And they were like oh okay he's like hitting the hip Or doing this or doing that you know They didn't so want to like be a, They
0: didn't want to be a Kurt Voorhees And take yeah. that full Travel bike and dude That guy he was 180ing the spine at Ray's He was trying to half cab the spine At Ray's on his full Suspension bike
1: Dude he's the best I was actually just Hanging out with Kurt Voorhees uh, Last month we were like Kept driving out to this free ride spot that's uh like near redlands it's like an hour and a half away from me here at the beach but um we had good weather and we were out there digging a bunch and there are some big things out there i was like working on this lip that was probably 12 feet tall for Jeez. two days yeah so for two days we kind of fixed it up and, and made it awesome it's just this like you literally roll down the face of a mountain you cross this fire road, and then there's a 12 foot tall lip in front of you. It's like the rollin is two times the size of what a mega ramp rollin is. Jeez. And you're going. I don't think I've ever gone that fast. Like when I when you when I got at the bottom, it was just like everything was blurred in my peripherals, you know. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, he's dude. Kurt's awesome, and I, I enjoy riding with him. And he should be in town for a little bit longer too. So once I once I get back from Brazil try and go back out to the free ride spots and hang with him and do some filming yeah
0: and for anybody who doesn't know by name who we're talking about if you've ever seen somebody do a curved curb ride on a recumbent bike or <laughs> what is that a nose manual or something riding wheelies on one of those things
1: yeah he's nuts he has all these crazy contraptions and he's a, he started in bmx too and then moved into mountain biking. And now he has this like crazy recumbent bike that he does curve walls on. Literally. It's crazy. He is is one of the most creative riders. in fact, he, when we were out at that free ride spot, he was like the lip of that 12 foot tall lip is literally like etched out of the face of a mountain. Mm -hmm. So above the lip, there's like kind of still part of the mountain that goes down and gets cut off. And he scraped out like a sub box above the lip. Not surprised. And like, yeah, and, like, went up and did, did like, bar spin to tail tap and back into the big lip, and it was, like, the craziest thing i ever seen. Well, like, I mean, he'll go up to Big Bear and fly out and do, like, like wall slaps on big trees out of, like, big landings and stuff.
0: He but, literally just posted a DJ wall slap on a light post out of a quarter pipe. Yeah. Just, that was his last Instagram post. It's like, the dude can do it all.
1: Yeah, he's super rad, so...
0: Yeah, shout out to that guy. I met him at Ray's and he was just awesome. And
1: I Yeah, he just has like the best attitude and all he wants to do is have fun on bikes and like almost kind of see what's possible on bikes too. Did you, you, know? did you
0: see the, uh the hell, where he was trying to grind a rail on whatever bike that was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just eating <He's> it. <laughs> eating it every single time. It's like, it, somebody just said, yeah, he's not young either.
1: No, yeah, he's like, He's in his 50s maybe Or maybe he's late 40s Dude. He's not young He sends it though He loves it yeah. He just loves it
0: The one time when he was trying to cab the spine at Ray's He got caught up And just ejected straight backwards Into the spine Like It was like you dropped a sack of potatoes But you went. he was going Like laterally through the air and Just hit the spine And it was like That would have taken out any 25 year old and he just kept trying
1: totally yeah it's is pretty well he's i'm i'm just so glad when he did when he did this like sub box maneuver the other week that he pulled it like he pulled it third try and like one of them he almost didn't get out of very well but he did and i'm just happy he pulled it because i didn't want to have to like scrape him off the ground and like throw him over my shoulder and get him like <laughs> 10 10 miles out of the zone that we we're in no doubt
0: uh but yeah shout out to kurt so originally a minute before i started talking about all this stuff i, I was kind of curious because you've done i'm sure you've been to interbike and you've mm-hmm. you've been to all these mountain bike festival things like do you think it's possible for bmx to do something like that
1: yeah absolutely i just think it's like i mean Obviously like the mountain bike world is in a more like expensive bracket of consumer, right? Right. Just bikes. Some bikes are 20 grand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they get expensive. Um, I think it's totally possible. It's, I think in my opinion, it's just like the industry getting together and saying, all right, let's do it again. You know, cause yeah. forever it was like interbike and that was the deal yeah. even when they took they started kind of doing inner bike-esque stuff at like Texas Toast or whatever. Like that was kind of a step in the right direction, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would just be more dif- more difficult for them to get together and figure out the purpose of it. Because like I said, like mountain biking, the purpose of the festivals is to get your demos out there. Get yeah. your product out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they can travel to all of these I don't want to say like exotic locations, but really beautiful locations like the middle of Sedona, Arizona, or, you know, Bentonville, Arkansas, or like out in Utah somewhere, you know what I mean? Um, and these consumers can get out and ride the bikes on everything that's out there. Yeah. So, and I don't really see BMX doing demo fleets for stuff. I don't think it's a. We don't a, need I don't, it. I don't, I'm a, yeah, you don't need it. Yeah. Right. So it'd really just be. If that would be something that they would want to do, and what would the reason be? You know, yeah. Of course, anything's possible. I just don't know if it would be necessary. You know.
0: Yeah, I guess it would be hard to kind of justify it the same way. I mean, Swamp Fest, yeah. There's a few different companies there, but they're not. They're there just to be there, and they have like the booth and some shirts and stuff for sale. But it's not. It's not like out of the utility of people at swamp fest getting to ride something or
1: right exactly and yeah. with
0: the internet you know you don't exactly have to do the whole inner bike all right here we are at inner bike 20 2011 whatever and yeah. here's our new set of hubs for this year like you don't have to do that with having someone like vital or wherever cover it anymore because profile can just make that video they don't have yeah, to.
1: yeah exactly yeah and you know there's different like i guess there's different ways that companies could make it worth it like for instance i i ride for yoshimira cycling and they make pedals yeah and i run them on my vmx i run them on my mountain bike i run them on all the bikes yep. um but like even in sedona they do pedal demos mm. so like they're expensive pedals, you know, they're $200 pedals. So, right. like, a consumer is like, oh, do I want to spend $200 and, not, and maybe not like them or love them or whatever? So it's like they set up the booth and they do pedal demos. People go ride them and they're either stoked on them and buy a set or or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it. I guess it, it could make sense in some ways in BMX, but um, it's just a different consumer, you know?
0: Yeah, I think it would take the right person with the right vision
1: to make something like that happen yeah absolutely could be possible though yeah i mean technically like metro jam back in the day was kind of like a mini inner you know what i mean like they had the brands and booths and stuff like that um so it at some point in in bmx like it kind of was there you know
0: yeah i'd probably have to be combined with an event like that for people to yeah. really make it make sense yeah i think
1: they used to combine uh metro with like the toronto bike show or whatever it was mm-hmm. i think okay. that's what it was called <laughs> so.
0: so whoever's listening that needed that seed planted you're welcome and i can't wait <laughs> to go to your event <laughs> <laughs> but like talking about mountain bikes and bmx and stuff uh, you ride both so you know like the mountain bike tech Just seems to be ages and ages ahead of bmx and like i don't know if there's a reason for that if it's because bmx doesn't need that tech like what do you think when you go from super crazy mountain bike to simplest bike that you own
1: uh there's definitely a learning curve when it comes to learning about mountain bike stuff uh you know there's suspension and oils and hydraulic Brake cable fluid and like all kinds of stuff. And they make 70 different bearings for headsets and bottom brackets, Right. like in BMX, there's three or yeah. whatever, you know, not even so, anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think everyone pretty much uses mid for the most part.
0: Pretty close. Um,
1: so there's definitely a lot more that goes into it. Um, it's, uh, I think just BMX bikes are simple, man, it's a simple machine. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be overthought. Uh, definitely, like the I think the reason in mountain biking, why it is the way it is is it is uh, projected to a different kind of consumer. and that consumer is the same people that buy brand new cars every year. yeah, or or uh, invest in real estate constantly. They want the latest and greatest, this and that. So in mountain biking, it's like a lot of bike companies are just finding different ways to advance the technology and make things really interesting in that aspect. Um, As to where BMX is just simple, like you don't need it. It's, I mean, there's still some really amazing design stuff that's coming out in BMX, but it's kind of like one of those scenarios where you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel, right?
0: Yeah, I feel like there's just something beautiful about the bmx bike being just as simple as it can possibly be absolutely yeah i mean yeah there's been some things that have come out in recent years like have you heard about the planetary free coaster stuff at all
1: i've heard a little bit about it but i'm not a free coaster guy either so i didn't dig too deep into it
0: it's freaking
1: wild dude
0: do you know anything about planetary gearing no not at all it's just nuts so there's like you've got your outer thing that has teeth on the inside of it then you've got a cog in the middle with teeth on the outside and then you have floating gears in there and that whatever combination of those things allow the center to rotate without rotating without the outside rotating and yeah and that technology allows i have one right here it's a planetary wow I mean, it's just a hub. You can. It just looks like a hub, but you can. It literally allows the hub to be a free coaster and a cassette at the same time. In that, the yeah. momentum from your hub, your wheel spinning forward, to your wheel spinning backwards, disengages the pause and turns it into a free coaster instantly. Crazy. So there's that that's technology, crazy. but right, yeah, that's just like it's literally like not much bigger around than a quarter and yeah. only like a half inch thick of a clutch mechanism that goes into a hub that is just a normal bmx hub so i don't know there's things like that you know a couple companies like alienations had carbon rims for a few years now and right I- yeah the made their carbon rims but like do you see anything else from the mountain bike world even making sense to transfer over
1: yeah, I mean, I, I'm very curious about carbon rims for BMX, especially because I'm I, I'm a dirt jumper. I'm not gonna go out and ride street and bash them up really.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I'm I'm definitely really excited to to try out a set of carbon rims at some point. Um, the there's this other company that's kind of in mountain biking called Bird Spokes, and they're yeah. literally like nylon spokes, and I run them on my mountain bikes, and I love them and actually Barry Nobles did like a video on his YouTube that is a, like a race, a BMX racing wheel set that he built up with, I believe it was a carbon rim and the bird spokes. Yeah. So the bird spokes are kind of designed to um, like suck up all, like if I'm ripping down a rock garden, if I have a wheel set that's built up with like an aluminum rim and, and steel spokes, like, it's going to feel more rigid.
0: Oh yeah. That makes sense. So the
1: so the bird spokes allow some flex kind of like how a carbon rim is to an aluminum rim. Mm-hmm. So these bird spokes allow the bike to ba- basically just soak up the energy. Like yeah. there are like rock gardens that I'd ride every morning on my mountain bike and I would fl- blast through them and my, eye, I had bouncy eye, you know what I mean? Until I get out of it. And then once I got those wheels, it was like, everything was in perspective no bouncy eye like all the energy was going somewhere else you know um so there's stuff like that like Barry's kind of mess with that I'm really I'm not gonna lie and I'm a gyro guy and it's it's when I do have the opportunity to do this I'm gonna I don't know what I'm gonna do really but I really want disc brakes on my on my BMS like I just like the way they feel like I like how they break and uh, they don't make any noise either. So (laughs) oh yeah. I'm like at this phase right now where I can't get my brakes to stop honking. And I don't know if it's the season (laughs) we're in or whatever, but I'm over it. So humidity
0: helps with that.
1: Yeah. It makes it
0: squeak more rather.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely interested in getting, uh, disc brakes on my bike and actually profile makes like a little attachment that you can put on the elite hub and it can, uh, it's basically a bracket that goes on the outside of the hub and you just put it right on your bike and it's a, an adapter to mount like a, a, caliper on. Nice. So they make like a caliper bracket, which is pretty cool. So if I wanted to, I would just have to like lace up a, um, like an elite hub with, with a disc mount and then yeah. add that adapter and I'd be all set for disc brakes on the BMX.
0: And then do that with a gyro.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd probably just run a straight cable unless I could get my hands on like a hydro gyro. Yeah, so you, you do...
0: wouldn't want to do the single to yeah. double. You wouldn't want to use nah. cables.
1: No, nah, I mean I could I know I could make it feel good because I've had brakes my whole life and that's kinda like my deal is making my gyro brakes feel amazing. Um, but I just I just like the consistency in, in how uh hydro brake feels.
0: Oh, I mean I get it. It's like It's like going to sealed pedals and then trying to go to unsealed pedals again.
1: It's just hard to do if you notice
0: how nice it feels.
1: Right. I mean, and realistically, like on a super, super good day, like the most I'm going to do is like a triple whip, right? So Mm -hmm. I think if I do the math on a contest run, especially we're not having contests where there's like six or seven jumps anymore, you know? Yeah. So I think if I did the math, like max, I'd need maybe three enough cable length to do like three revolutions. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or plan runs out kind of how Doyle does where it's like, Oh, you know, do a tail whip and then you double truck back and you're, you know what I mean? So just something like that.
0: And the hydraulic cables, I feel like I've seen people have those coiled up like a lot more than a normal cable.
1: Yeah. My, my YT deer jumper is I have, I had three revolutions on it, I think. So, Yeah, huh.
0: you just reminded me I uh I actually talked with those bird the bird spokespeople oh, did
1: you like yeah
0: a year ago and I just didn't have a spare wheel set that I could send them to lace up for me because I was yeah. like I can just do it and they're like well listen if you do it you're gonna have to let them sit for three days and do it's this a
1: three crazy. day process yeah but they're yeah.
0: like if you send us the wheels we can turn it around and have them back to you in a weekend and I just didn't have it so I need to hold on remind me tomorrow to email bird spokes <laughs>
1: yeah it's a crazy build process they it takes three days to build a wheel set they build the set put tension on them the spokes like cure basically yeah. over these three days and day two they add more tension day three they add the last bit of tension and then they're done yeah so it's pretty wild
0: i'm gonna try them out if hopefully they'll still want to do it I mean shout out to Bird Spokes Please still want yeah. to do it
1: <laughs> And check and check out Barry Noble's video He made like a YouTube on his channel Building the Bird Spokes And putting them on, on the BMX and whatnot. Yeah. And this is when he had some jumps in his backyard too Like maybe version 1 or 2 of his backyard mm-hmm. And he was putting like GoPros on the rear triangle and, and showing how the wheel reacted with freestyle tricks And like he did a pretty good job of it
0: that's sweet. So I want to do like the, the skate park. You know, I'm doing ice picks on a sub. <laughs> I want to see what that looks like, and
1: yeah, yeah, and all
0: that kind, of, and like a fufanu. Cool. Imagine yeah, a fufanu cool. with suspension. <laughs> you know, like
1: that would be pretty wild.
0: Yeah, hopefully we can find that out. But so I mean that. So there is some ways and areas that BMX can, you know, progress tech wise. It seems like.
1: Yeah, it's I mean if that's yeah. I mean there's obviously we know there's a handful of companies that have been very tech progressive. Like I feel Odyssey's one of them, Fly Bikes is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many brands that have uh, really original ideas. But um, you know, it just I guess it really just depends like you know, what brand stands for that and if that's their MO to do it, then that's it, you know.
0: Yeah, do you have you ever saw like the I think Stranger did it first. The normal upper bearing, but bigger lower bearing on the. Oh frame. yeah, yeah. I, right. I just never really caught on.
1: Yeah, and that's like a pretty common thing in mountain biking.
0: Right. A lot of DJs yeah.
1: have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mostly, mostly all the bikes have like bigger, bigger low and bottom, or uh, sorry, bigger lower headset uh, bearings as opposed to upper
0: yeah i don't know it just didn't really catch on i saw that i think we the people did it too but then i don't know, i haven't heard anything about it since and that was years ago
1: right yeah yeah i mean we'll see like you know the the fingers cross bikes are out there now you know mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a tiny tiny little mountain bike you know right so maybe maybe a brand like fingers cross will want to bring a little bit more mountain bike technology over you know they are with the suspension and everything obviously they're just kind of trial and erroring everything
0: mm-hmm. do you think and i go ahead no go ahead i was just gonna ask if you thought that carbon frames would ever come over i know they're in racing
1: I, the, yeah they're in race i don't know i could see someone that's like super worried about weight maybe wanting to try a carbon frame i don't know It's you know, the only thing that's that's bad about carbon is like if you if you break the surface it becomes very unstable, you Mm -hmm. know? And BMX bikes are built around durability. Yeah. You know? Like you look at a guy that rides street every day and his bike is pretty thrash looking, you know? Yeah. So no doubt it's not
0: gonna work for a street rider.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I that's exactly why BMX Racing has adapted it because like you see what they do in racing it's like they hit the gate and they're just pedaling as fast as they can mm-hmm. and clearing the jumps they're not you know purposely wrecking into each other or like having to bail and like watch their bike bounce down the road you know right so yeah.
0: i just feel like bmx has taken this long to get to like a lot of bikes look similar because we kind of figured out what works at this point right yeah And so I think it'll probably take a little bit more time before we start to see like crazy attempts at leaping forward in tech.
1: Totally. Yeah. I think BMX is in a great spot though. I'm really, I'm really proud of how far the bikes have come even from, from when I grew up and started riding to now it's like they've, they've jumped light years, you know? Oh yeah. And same with mountain biking. Like part of the, I used to like, go to red bull elevation or like queenstown new zealand and those are like big mountain towns and i'd always go on a trip there and rent a downhill bike and go ride Mm -hmm. but like not until like 2018 i was like always felt like i was gonna die on that rental bike you know (laughs) because it was so janky and clanky and like it made crazy noises that i wasn't used to you know as to where now like all the cables are internally routed and like the bikes barely make any noise and like suspension works the way it should be and they found out all these different ways to mount it to disperse energy and it's like now the bike i look at i'm like i trust that bike you know (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) so it's funny that bmx did that exact same thing except it went like overkill then underkill now we kind of Evened our way out and kind of yeah yeah a little bit. that's
1: that's very true I guess I never looked at it like that before yeah I was like
0: I remember I remember that era of just getting things as light as humanly possible and then seeing people break stuff all the time
1: oh yeah I mean my my Schwinn growing up was like a fifty pound bike you know
0: <laughs> yeah you're you're one of those guys who's like right in the right time period where you experienced the heavy bikes right at the beginning and then oh yeah and then you've been there the whole entire time
1: i had like a schwinn powermatic with like super heavy black mags on it and the forks were like 990 front brakes that were mounted and the pegs weren't even mounted on the axle they were mounted on a peg box uh-huh so like that thing was a tank oh yeah <laughs> big like big heavy four piece bars like pretty much like an unseen seen, like aluminum block for a stem you know
0: <laughs> somebody just had at Ray's the uh one of the kids that works there has a old dk that has one mm-hmm. of those block stems on oh, it oh yeah i was yeah. just looking at it and made a comment like somebody back in the day designed that and was like hell yeah
1: <laughs> the kneecap killer <laughs> it's too funny insane
0: what do you when it comes to like your bmx bike Do you have, are you crazy about weight at all or is it just normal?
1: I went through a phase when I lived out at Woodward from um, 2005 until 2012. It was a bit of a weight weenie. Uh, Me and Daniel Dares were like riding together all the time. And he like barely had any meat on his bones back then, you know. So he mm-hmm. was trying to get his bike as, as light as possible so he could like learn all these new tricks and maneuver the bike and whatever. Yeah. Um, so we often were like <laughs> looking like on the Albies website and like looking up the weights and like looking up dimensions, like doing that kind of BMX nerd stuff. And that that was the point where I was like very light bike. Um, but then I realized the certain things that I like about light bikes so like still to this day i build up super light wheel sets it's mm-hmm. like profile hubs rainbow tie spokes alloy nipples and usually like somewhat decently right now i have like the sun uh sun envy rims front and rear yeah so um it's a pretty light wheel set like super light i like that because rotational spin tail whips bar spins the whole deal mm-hmm.
2: um
1: and then everything else like I feel like a lot of frames kind of like at least the frames that I'm looking at are all generally in the same weight. So a trail style frame, like decent long, like rear end on the bike, like lengthwise, um, they're all pretty light. So I don't feel like I don't have much control over that anyways, you know, unless I would get like a custom bike built or something. But yeah, for the most part, like my wheel set is probably the thing that I, that I take into consideration the most. Um, I run, the column cranks which are a bigger crank from profile yep. um, but i run the tie spindle and the tie bolts that go with it all the drivers and bolts and the hubs are tie um don't think i have anything else that's titanium i run a decent or actually i run the i run an odyssey chain that bluebird chain yeah. i really like it it's like the ha- has like the half link in it mm-hmm. um so yeah it's I used to run a shadow chain like the like not like the really big one but like the half link that was heavy mm-hmm. and it never really bothered me, you know. Yeah. So, I don't get too crazy about it now. Like I pretty much know what I need out of my BMX bike and what I want and how I want it to feel and I feel like I'm falling into that like like when you pass into this like older generation of rider and you're like you see where like BMX bikes are now maybe like a lower scooter-ish geometry or whatever, <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want that. I know what I want. You know, I've fallen into that like old man particular stuff now. <laughs> That's pretty
0: funny. Uh Are you riding an off-the-shelf colony frame?
1: Um, Yeah, I have the colony blaster. Yeah. Nice. So it's if I needed a new one, I would just call them and be like, hey, send me another blaster. It's nothing, nothing special or custom about it.
0: Cool. That's sweet. Yeah that's pretty sweet if uh if you come to ohio anytime this summer we should meet up and i can do a bike check with you
1: yeah for sure yeah i love a good bike check on the bmx it pretty much stays the same for every bike check just the colors change it looks cooler sometimes (laughs) well
0: that's kind of the theme with bmx is once you find what you like and what works you just kind of stick with it
1: yeah absolutely and i'm super stoked on like the the bike that i'm riding right now just the it can't, it's like kind of a metallic like purple looking color and then it has all the galaxy rust stuff and it just all goes together really well so i'm really digging this color uh, i'm probably going to keep it for a while longer too i just like the way it looks nice yeah
0: did you ever uh damn it what was, i lost oh yeah like so growing up did you ever experiment with geometry to get to where you're at or does it just kind of happen
1: uh, yeah like when I got on Hoffman bikes, um, that was when bike companies were starting to do the C head tube angle Mm. with like the 75 degree head tube angle. Um, So I definitely like just kind of went right into that. At that point in my career, I was like not really a big geometry person. Yeah. So it was like, if I did switch like, cause I went from riding a fly to riding a Hoffman and it was like, similar but pretty different it definitely took me like a solid day to just get used to it you know um but yeah now it's like i like to stick with that like 74 and a half head tube angle i could totally ride a 75 but it just it feels too, a little twitchy you know you go like fast I don't, enough. I don't like that yeah you i don't like it. that twitchy thing yeah exactly when i was riding me- competing in mega ramp constantly too like i knew seventy and a half was kind of the way just for how fast you're going too. Right. So I've been on the 74 and a half forever. I think, I don't know what Dennis Anderson's version of, uh, the first version of the Haro was, I don't know if it was 75 or if it was 74 and a half, but if it was 75, that was probably the last 75 degree head tube angle bike I rode was like the Haro. And if it wasn't that, then it was the Hoffman's from back in the day. So
0: yeah, I, like we were saying earlier about how you kind of went through the different iterations of BMX evolving with frame stuff. It was like there was a certain point in time where people just didn't even think about frame geometry. They just, it was you rode this brand's frame or you rode that brand's frame. Yeah. And, and maybe the top tube was different, but that was, that was kind of it.
1: Totally. I'm trying to remember, I had. I can't remember what bike I was on at the time, but I won like a my first the first contest I ever entered on my BMX was at Section Eight and I entered like the the class under pro. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it was Expert or what it was, but I ended up winning like a standard uh like a standard Trails two fifty. It was like the it's like what was the medal? It was like Trails two fifty R or something. Okay. It was like a super the medal was different. It wasn't like Fromale. Okay. But um that was like granted where i was going with this was i was just like i won that bike and didn't even care was like cool i'm building this bike Uh i don't know what geo it is i don't know how heavy or light it is like this is a new bike and i'm riding it you know
0: yep yeah these (laughs) days it's totally different bmx has specialized itself into there's frames for people like you who go really fast and go really high and there's frames for people who are doing crazy technical stuff on a rail and they're completely
1: different oh absolutely yeah it's really crazy <laughs> how it's all come so far and it's <clears throat> it's all very specific too so but that's cool that's it's really awesome
0: yeah oh for sure it's awesome to see it progress like that I mean the I ride a geometry that is as close to the center as what you can get these days because yeah. I just want to be able to hit anything and be comfortable. But it's cool that you can specialize like that
1: yeah totally yeah i mean bmx has its little things you know it's perfect i think it's right where it needs to be
0: yeah yeah i agree um so when you're at home what what does your day-to-day riding look like between being that you i mean you ride for several different bmx and mountain bike companies so like what Mm -hmm. does normal life look like for you riding wise
1: In a perfect world, and obviously it isn't always perfect, Uh, usually I'm a pretty early riser, so usually I'll be on my trail bike, my mountain bike, like 7 a.m., riding a trail for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of friends that I have that work in the industry like to get on a bike ride like before they go into the office or whatever, so usually meet up with them and get some riding in. Um, And then I'll kind of go up throughout the rest of the day just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I have tasks that I need to done, chores, create, creating content, editing content. I'm sure you know all all about that. Um and I just kind of fill my time until it's time to ride BMX. Mm. So uh usually it's like riding in the evening unless like I'm gonna hit a skate park, which honestly is kind of rare. Like I there's not I don't really have that many skate parks that I actually enjoy out here besides the Falcon park. Um, but usually I'm riding the trails, so it's like kind of waiting for the sunset so we could throw water down and, and it actually means something and then getting a session in for a couple hours before the sun goes down. I gotcha. Yeah. So that's just like a normal, normal kind of day at home, I guess.
0: Yeah. How are you managing all these different, like things that you have to make stuff for to promote? Is this, are you, are you organized with that or are you just doing it?
1: No, I'm, I'm pretty organized with it. And sometimes it gets away from me. Like it's hard to be 100% on it all the time with everything that you need to do for every brand. But um, I think the thing that helps a lot with me is I've been able to um, stick with brands that are kind of in both worlds. Mm, so yeah. it's like, for profile it's easy because I've run the same wheels on my BMX as my mountain bike, you yeah. know. Um I ride for 510, so it's like same I ride their shoes on my BMX, I ride their shoes on my mountain bike. Yeah. Um Yoshimura makes pedals, I run pedals on everything, ODI grips. So it's kind of I've just tried to align myself with companies um, that make product in both worlds. Yeah. And it's made it a lot easier for sure. And then I kind of just break down the other stuff. Like obviously like YT doesn't have anything to do with BMX. So it's like, I know what I have to do for them. You know what I mean? And same with Max's tires too. It's like, I run all the tires on all the bikes, you know what I mean? So it's really just, I've aligned myself with and a lot of the brands too I've been with for ages. You know, Profile's almost twenty years, Max is almost twenty years. Jeez. Um, Yoshimir and ODI are like I've always ran ODI grips like throughout my whole career. Um, but only just started recently doing deals with like them and Yoshimira and five ten when I picked up the mountain bike. So it's like riding the mountain bike has actually like revived my BMX career in a sense too. Because now I'm kind of helping from both sides, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, and
1: and they kind of get like double the content, like kill. They kind of kill two birds with one stone, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of an era we're gonna move into with BMX, of like, not necessarily mountain bike and helping with that, but just being able to to double up on certain things in those ways and making it easier on yourself to do those do what you need to do for exactly yeah
1: Yeah, exactly and then it's kind of just up to the brands like they want something particular like odi reached out to me recently and they're like hey can can you film this video of yourself talking about like what grips you are your favorite grips or whatever and i'm like oh well do you want me to do it for bmx or mountain bike they're like actually could you do it for both i'm like perfect you know so it's kind of just figuring out like what what each brand specifically wants, you know, at the beginning of every year and kind of just tinkering with it and playing with it as you go, you know? Yeah. I've had, like, a really great opportunity. Like, I got one of my really good friends hired at Yoshimira, and she does, like, all the social media, and I can, like, kind of pluck her from the office whenever I want and go out and film with her. Nice. And she's, like, really great at what she does. So, like, a lot of the content that I've been uh, posting lately on my Instagram looks, like, very fine-tuned and nice quality stuff and it's like because of that you know what I mean
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of times it's like I can again it's like if I'm going out and filming with Yoshimura a lot of the times like my 510s are in the shot or this or that or like you know what I mean so, so you can use it for both exactly yeah
0: yeah it's smart it's really smart and I actually had a note to talk to you about the fact that it seems like you've been always been really conscious of like the business side of whatever cycling career we're talking about. Is that something that you've been intentional about?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've seen, you know, so many riders that are have come and gone that are like some of the best riders on the planet, but Mm -hmm. like they don't have a personality or they don't have any business sense or like, vice versa that like they have the most amazing business sense and personality but like maybe not the best bike rider or whatever it may be you know what I mean so I've always tried to kind of stay right in the middle like I might not be the best BMX or some years or whatever it is you know what I mean but I'm always try to keep up and I I, like when I take on a sponsorship I want to put the brands first like I want them to know that they're in good hands and whatever the reason is they're hiring me for sponsorship i want to make sure i get that done plus like 100 percent more you know yeah um it's like i know a lot of people don't want to think like oh like bmx is your job it's work it's whatever or like mount biking like it's it it is like it is my job it is work like i literally leave the house some days and i'll go out and film like i went out a, a couple weeks ago uh, with the Yoshimura crew and like a legit film for seven hours all day, like I didn't even take a break. It took like yeah. one break to like just slam down some food that like we had brought out to us, like in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like just right back on the bike grinding. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you got to put the days in, especially if you wanted to reflect, like in your social media. And right now, social media is like the only billboard an athlete has these days. You know. So you got to make it count on your social media because that's like the only advertisement out there It's like not like back in the day where I'd sign a contract and I had like TV incentives and contest incentives and magazine incentives and video magazine incentives and it's like oh if you're on TV for five seconds you get this much money blah 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 like it's all changed and it's been um, I feel like I'm a little slower on the sides of adapting to it because in my head I don't really want to I'm like nope yeah. I remember when social media started I was like nope I'm not doing it I'm not doing it I said the same thing about YouTube like nope I'm not doing a YouTube <laughs> channel and then next thing you know I'm doing a YouTube channel so I am I get a little like, like I'm not so accepting to it all as things change but I've learned over my long career that I just need to be quicker and just get with the program and just dive into whatever the next cool thing is you know
0: oh yeah but
1: and- uh yeah
0: that's that's how you sustain it like what you're saying you've seen so many people who are just amazing at whichever side of things but they didn't it didn't yeah continue. they just didn't hit
1: the mark yeah and yeah.
0: i think being conscious of these things is what can extend that for people in such an easier way like you literally get to wake up <clears throat> and you're meeting up with people before they go to their job job to ride right. yeah. and then and then you're just killing time by doing whatever you can until you get to go ride again on a different bike and that's like the dream I feel like for a lot of people is to be able to just have the freedom to do that so like is there anything that you would like give advice on for people to do to help themselves be able to have the consciousness to set themselves up like that if they're trying to make it there
1: you know, if you're the the most advice I could give you if you if you wanna make it in BMX, if you wanna be a pro, if you wanna make a living doing it, you have to work hard. Like there's no way around it. Yeah. Things will not be given to you. Like, granted, I've seen there's a handful of riders that are just so unbelievably talented. And like, if they fart a certain way, like every media outlet is gonna post it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but that's like a dime a dozen or even more. You know what I mean? A dime and or doesn't. Um, So, you know, you just got to work hard. You got to put your head down. You got to be creative. Like obviously the big thing right now, social media, it's like in between me riding mountain bikes in the morning and BMX in the afternoon, I'm like looking at trends on Instagram and looking up popular music and watching other creators like come up with cool stuff and then trying to take some of their stuff and making my own or just coming up with my, own stuff like from scratch you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's just it's a, it's a lot of grinding and you just got to do it like just got to do it if you want it
0: yeah and I guess I mean just from hearing you talk about this stuff it sounds like part of that has to be just something you enjoy doing too
1: yeah absolutely I mean I go through waves you know I get super burnt out on social media sometimes and then other times I'm like cranking out like five brand new reels in a day Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that just editing you know what I mean like sometimes I'm so caught up on social media where like I could go for months without filming something new and I have something new to post every day yeah and then some days I'm like shit I don't have anything to post (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what I mean
0: oh I know what you mean because uh writing wise on YouTube let me just double check here if I pull up my sessions i am not even into january yet for stuff i've filmed for a session to post yeah Yeah, i'm literally just now getting to i think the beginning of december yeah literally just got to the beginning of december and i have everything filmed since then to now just (laughs) in the chamber ready to edit
1: just hanging out I know when I was doing like YouTube stuff more consistently, I was trying to post like one video a week Mm -hmm. and uh, I had so much content and stuff to edit. And it was great. I had like a really good system too, because I would make like two different reels based around the episode and I'd post them at certain times of the, of the week. And then everything in between that is like basically what I'm just doing. Like if I'm at the trails and I do a, a knack knack seat grab like it goes in there somewhere you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't really been too on top of the YouTube stuff lately and I don't want to like repeat stuff on YouTube either like I did a thing for Sedona last year I didn't really want to do it again this year and I'm glad that I didn't because it was like granted it would have been a different adventure but I don't know that it would have been as great as the first one in Sedona you know and maybe that's just me being picky but I'm also like I've been, I've been telling people like, cause they asked me about my YouTube and I'm like, yeah, like I don't stress about it. Like I know there's an algorithm, like I'm kind of over algorithms on every platform. It just is what it is. If I like, I was thinking about going to Brazil and doing this one cause I've never done a YouTube for this Brazil contest. So mm-hmm. it's like, maybe I'll come out of retirement. I haven't posted a YouTube since God knows when last, you know, but Forget it. I'll just do it anyways and throw it up on the YouTube. And if people like it, awesome. If they don't, awesome. Like it is what it is. Yeah. But it's just like a little extra. Like all these little social media things are just like I might not do them all. Instagram's probably the only one I do consistent, and then I push all that to my Facebook fan page and Twitter too. Right. But like consistently, or all the other ones that are inconsistent are just kind of like extras, you know? Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe ODI gets a little bit more extra incentive because i'm wearing a hat the whole time or like this brand you know what i mean it's just like little extra hits like oh at the end of the year i did 20 youtube episodes throw it on the resume for the end of the year you know
0: damn i need to do that because i literally post every day i'd be like 365 but
1: you'd be be surprised how impressive stuff looks on paper like that's one of the things that in, in fact i don't really share much with many athletes but um like i do this whole thing at the end of the year i have a friend that uh, builds me an infographic and it has a certain amount of uh numbers on it It shows social media numbers it shows like videos i was in it shows contest placing it shows this shows that it's like i'll build the infographic and then i have like another graphic that is my entire schedule of what i accomplished for like 2022 let's say you know and then I have another one that's like all the YouTube stuff. It's like once you start seeing all of it on paper, you're like, dang, like you pass this across like the right person's desk and it'd be like, this dude is busy, you know? Yeah. And that's really what I try and do. My, my schedule throughout, especially like last year, my schedule was insane. I was doing like three different trips a month, like for the entire year. Uh, this year I told myself I wasn't gonna spread myself so thin and, like, kind of just go to the things that I really want to go to. Because there were a lot of times where, like, I committed to something last year. And it was just to go and have fun. But then, like, I couldn't go to a fest series event. Oh, yeah. Because I already committed. And it's like, so I'm trying to leave some areas open so that when these dates pop up to, like, really big jump stuff that I want to ride, I can go, you know?
0: Yeah. And I guess so. maybe another good thing to talk about for somebody who's, like, trying to take this stuff to the next level or wanting to make a career out of these things is like i feel like there's a misconception in bmx that just like getting posted by a bmx media thing is like gonna help in those regards but i feel like those it's not as important as having the the way to leverage those different social medias for these outside companies because to to be totally honest with everybody and everybody already knows this like you have to have like five bmx sponsors who pay you if you want to be able to make a living off of it
1: so totally yeah
0: and you Absolutely. throughout the years have been really good at leveraging what you do with companies outside of bmx and, correct and yeah so how are, what's your thought process maybe not how you actually do it but just what you think about whenever you're trying to think of like how do i translate what i'm doing to how i can bring value to the brand to help myself
1: well you know so the thing with like you mentioned like i've done really well with having outside sponsors non-endemic sponsors of BMX on my sponsorship list and you know that kind of goes with where i fell into as far as like starting to compete and stuff growing up um a lot of the times that then were like, you know, Dave Mirror rides for Slim Jim and Jay mm-hmm. Miron and McNeil sponsored by Sobey Team and blah blah blah. Like there were a ton of dollars coming in from outside of BMX that were helping a lot of BMX riders um, have really great careers and and you know, have really great success. Um so I kind of caught the tail, the tail end of that, which was still really, really good. And I learned a lot of things from those companies. Um, and I got sent to so many different courses whether it was for public speaking or this and that so I learned a lot like kind of throughout that process and just having and I keep saying resume it's because I actually do have a resume that if I'm gonna put together yep. a sponsorship package like the resumes in there yep. and my resume hits on every corporate company that I've ever written for certain things that I've done with them that stand out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so if you want to become a rider that is like kind of s- sponsored by non-endemic brands and that can actually bring you in a significant amount of money to not only make a living off BMX, but start a savings for your future, um, you just have to learn, you have to get real business savvy. You have to learn the ins and out of business. Um, you have to understand marketing strategies there's a lot that goes into it and, you know, I would say probably the best way to learn about it is going to school because there's a lot of the riders out there that like you wouldn't realize like went to school and kind of knew the ins and out of it already and it just worked mm. for them. Yeah. I mean, on top of them being really great, successful riders and not doing the gnarly stuff, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I you know, I graduated high school, I did one semester of college and I got the opportunity to one, move to Woodward camp to work for Target at the camp. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like my stepping stone. And once I went through with that, like everything just started speeding up real fast. You know, it's yeah. like I was winning X Games medals, winning overall due to championships, winning the worlds and all these other events here in between that, you know? Um so it's really just keeping that snowball effect of momentum rolling and uh just getting eyes on you attracting people you see it in this day and age it's like social media influencers and stuff you know it's like they're starting to bring deals in for themselves because they are able to um relate to the public you know yeah. what i mean so like being able to relate to certain things. That's the crazy thing about mountain biking is like, there's a lot of like mountain bike influencers. Um, and that's because like the general consumer of buying mountain bikes is just kind of the everyday Joe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And like the things that a mountain bike influencer is doing or talking about or making a skit about whatever is like insanely relatable to them. So it's like they start picking up all these followers and blah blah blah. Before you know it, it's like they're wheeling, wheeling and dealing, you know?
0: Yep. So, so it's
1: it really comes down to understanding your market, where you want to be. I knew like when I was competing and winning stuff, who who I was marketable to and what brands wanted to work with me. And it's literally just taking a breath, gaining the confidence, stepping in, putting your foot in the door, and selling yourself yeah
0: really is and so a couple things with that i've just recognized through you talking about all this stuff that you seem to have at least early on changed the way you think about this stuff too from just being just calling it oh it's a sponsorship earlier you said hiring you for sponsorship and then talking about working for target and changing your mindset from oh i'm going to get sponsored to oh i'm getting hired by these companies to work for them because that's what you're doing.
1: Right, exactly. That's we, exactly what it is.
0: You change, and it
1: and and it's the same definition too like i would say if you got sponsored by cult it's the same thing, you know what i mean? Like yeah. you're getting hired to represent a brand in and build the brand under your name you know i mean a lot of people don't realize it but it's like you're you know brand more you're a brand you know Mm -hmm. so it's like and especially the way social media is it's like you know do sometimes i look at like like you know companies like i don't want to single anyone out but you know like all the bmx media companies it's like some of these pro riders out there could be that they are their own bmx like like media company. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like some of these riders have more followers than all of the media companies combined. Yep. And it's like they should almost be paying that rider to put them on their site. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's uh it's it's a crazy where I'm getting at is it's a, it's a crazy world we're living in. And going back to the original question of like advice and whatnot to up and comers or if you wanted to make a living in BMX. It's really just all about adapting to the times and knowing your worth, which I think is insanely important. I was uh, actually hit up recently by a very uh, wealthy media outlet about posting the front flip to the fence clip. Mm -hmm. And they were like, they always come into your DMS and they're like, Hey, I wanted to talk to you about this clip. And they send you the link and they're like, We'll give you full credit if we can post this. <laughs> yeah, because I want full credit, like for you to post it. You, you know? can't even it's post like, it
0: without licensing it, anyway. So good luck exactly, with that.
1: <laughs> exactly. So that's what I do. I reply like, "Hey, thanks for reaching out. Um, yeah, this clip is licensed by Juke and Media. So if you would like to license it, like here's the link or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like don't give know your self worth." Do not give yourself to anybody for free. Yep. You know? Because what you're doing is a is work, it's a service, you're risking your life for these things. You need compensation for it.
0: And to go along with these lines too, it's like people are gonna hear everything that we just said and be like, oh no man, we can't do that. It's BMX, core this, core that, and and we're talk we're saying to think about it that way, but it doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to affect the way that you portray it, you know? If you can think about it as like, I'm hired by cult. You mentioned cult. like someone's gonna think about cult and be like, oh, this is not a job, whatever. But it's like, you think about it as a job and then you do your own thing with it and I guarantee you're gonna make it further by thinking that way than by being like, oh, I'm just riding my bike.
1: Yeah, and they might say that about cult, but Robbie Morales is one of the most business savvy people in BMX. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but but again, uh, like you were saying about some other BMX rider, might be like, no way, it's BMX. Like it's to each their own. You exactly. Know? That's what's that's what's so great about BMX. It's like the It's the whole lifestyle. Everything about it is freestyle. Do what do whatever you want. Like whatever you want to take out of BMX, like take it and be happy. You know what I mean and mm-hmm. and and be happy for people that are taking it in different ways and you know what I mean oh so I it, totally. does, it doesn't have to be like a like a verbal war on I, I see these verbal wars happening a lot with people because they're like oh BMX is this BMX that. no it's whatever you want it to be it's like as long as you're happy and you're on a bike and you're riding like that's the end goal every day yep absolutely
0: and uh, I wanted to talk more about the Juke and Media thing because that, I feel, is a very underutilized way for people to make money off of stuff that they already have. If you have Absolutely. any kind of crazy crash or anything crazy happened and you filmed it or you know who filmed it and you're in it, submit it on Juke and Media because there's a chance that you could get, like, paid. Really oh, yeah.
1: paid for it. Honestly, like, obviously BMX is like a crazy lifestyle and we all have come across more than a million crazy moments and Mm -hmm. most of these moments have been filmed. Like I get, I'm on a mailing list for Duke and media. So I get all the things that they're looking for. Oh yeah, the
0: requests.
1: Yeah. You know, like so-and-so is looking for moments on the beach or something about dogs or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, you can just throw any clip up there, and you never know if it's going to hit gold. You know what I mean? Yeah, but actually. A, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say it's almost like submitting clips is—it could be very profitable. You know what I mean? It could. The if you have a ton of ton of clips that are interesting, whatever you throw them up there, next thing you know, you could have this like corporate sponsorship that'll last you a lifetime. You don't even know it.
0: Exactly, and just to give an example of one of those like email things that went out there. There was one a couple years ago that went out. The Olympic channel is looking for fails and then successes or something along those lines. And if you right. have a clip like this submitted, I was like, Holy crap, I have a clip like this. So I submitted when I was doing, uh, when it hit 2020, I it hit midnight and I did a decade on flat ground. So I could do the mm-hmm. first decade of the decade, and so I crashed really hard trying it because it was midnight, <laughs> you know, and it was just yeah. whatever. So I submitted that, and it was the easiest $400 I've ever made because it was like, yeah. oh, cool, perfect opportunity. They wanted it, and it was that simple, and I got to be on the Olympics U- or Instagram page.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then, like, that clip could just be making you money, like, for the rest of your life, too. Anyone can pick it up at any time or... Like whatever, like it's you just make incentives on it forever. Yeah, what's the great.
0: what's the craziest place that you saw
1: the front flip thing end up? Man, did you pay attention uh, at all? Uh, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it honestly hit like every corner. Like, I saw it on Snoop Dogg's Instagram. <laughs> it was on the Ellen DeGeneres Show. That's it funny. was it was on uh like ridiculousness it's been on tosh oh, five times probably <laughs> um for different segments and different clips and whatever yeah um and it's and it hit all the crazy like uh digital media stuff unilad like all those all those daily mail all that stuff it went everywhere especially the first like 24 hours when i when it came out when i dropped it on the platform five years ago it was what I could find. Uh, it was over 50 million views. Yeah. And then um, it just kind of it just kind of cruised, and you know, it went got to a point where it just plateaued, and I was just like raking in, you know, a certain amount of money every month. And then for whatever re- oh, it was when Instagram started doing reels, and they were starting to pay certain people to do reels. Mm-hmm. So I was like one of the people that was able to do the reels play and get paid for them. So I was literally, I was and this is a time in my head too, where I was like, I have so much footage that I post once and it disappears. Yep. Not that it disappears, but like I never use it again. Yep. I'm like, why am I not recycling my footage? I work super hard to create the content and I post it once yep. and it does whatever it wants to do. It either hits an algorithm or it doesn't. And now with the Instagram rhythms and stuff, it's like sometimes, you post stuff and nobody sees it, you know, so I do that a lot more. I recycle footage, but, um, I right at the four year mark for whatever reason, it just happened to be four years. And I was like, Oh crap. the like front foot to the fence is about to turn four. So I posted it on Instagram reels. Next thing you know, it's at 99 million views on Instagram reels. Yeah. So and you wouldn't believe the, the comments too. It's like, like 4 million comments in it's unbelievable like how long the clip's been around and how many people have actually seen it but how many people haven't seen it mm-hmm. it's pretty wild
0: did so it, did you have any super like obscure things i'm just asking because i had uh the ice pick stall where i did the rubik's cube. oh yeah that ended up in a commercial for i forget what country but was some foreign european country your, oh, okay yeah it was in a European country's uh, energy drink commercial. Oh, sick! It's like Tiger something or another, and it's just like the fun. It was literally in there for like three seconds. But dude, I made like fifteen hundred bucks just from that three seconds of them using that that clip because of Juke and Media. So it's a perfect. And I mean, yeah. not everybody it's has sick. a front flip to fence, but like we right. all have yeah. something that you could something. submit for that.
1: Yeah, or like tons of little things end up being a big thing yep. you know but yeah if my I, the cha, or sorry the japanese really love the front foot to the fence like it's i'm always have some crazy like japanese tv show or something like licensing the clip like mm. constantly it's crazy it's so i think cool. it's cuz they have all the funny like like obstacle course shows and weird oh, stuff yeah. like that over there but like that type of tv like i guess is just like kind of a japanese thing and it's constantly somewhere on the TV in Japanese.
0: That's pretty funny.
1: Or in Japan, sorry. <laughs> it's in
0: Japanese too.
1: <laughs> it is in Japanese too.
0: <laughs> uh, so going back to the whole like business mindset and stuff, does is this something that you just figured out on your own, or did people, someone give you guidance on that?
1: No, I mean it was a little bit of everything. Um, like even before I like came on to the due tour scene in in 2006 and like won the whole dirt series Um, you know that in 2005 at the very first due tour like I was dead last in the standings but I always had um, I already had an agent at that time so uh, Steve Swope was still involved with Hoffman Bikes and uh, he left basically in 2000 like end of 2005 I believe he left Hoffman Bikes to Um, joined an agency called img Mm. which is a really big agency in la and new york all around the world Uh, mostly modeling and kind of stuff like that but like for instance like me and sean white and nate adams i think maybe one other person we were like the only handful of like action sports athletes that they had um so i was under steve swope's wing for many many years um it wasn't until like like, uh, BMX events and stuff started crashing out in like 2013 time era, like 12, 13, they started to get less and less, um, where we kind of just parted ways. We were like, Hey, like, I'm not doing anything like you're like, we've helped each other out to like, I think where we're just done, you know, like it just kind of fizzled out. There wasn't too many deals coming in at that time. Um, and we were just kind of on cruise control. So, uh, and we're still great friends to this day, but Steve taught me so much about business and, uh, basically his words, when we had the phone call, he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, we've been through it all. We've looked through hundreds of contracts and this and that. He's like, you take it all in really well. He's like, everything that I've taught you, I know that you can like put it into place. Like when the time comes, he's like, I'm not at all, all worried about it like sick so he was he was a huge help he helped me through bmx in so many different ways you know Mm -hmm. um and then yeah pretty much after that like since since about 2003 or sorry since about 2013 yeah i've just done it all on my own at that point i've had different thoughts in my head from day to day here and there like oh maybe i should get an agent and then i'm like yeah i'll just keep doing what i'm doing so
0: yeah that's cool to hear that just just interested in hearing that side of things and i think that people can get something out of that because we just i mean it's bmx riders and the internet we just kind of enjoy posting on instagram and a lot of people just that's what they do and i think a lot of people might not realize that by doing that you're building this thing that you can leverage with a whole array of companies and brands and other things like that to help
1: you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, in, in my career, I've tried to take every experience as a learning one, even if it's a failure or a huge success, it doesn't matter. There's always something that you could take from the scenario and turn it into a positive, turn it into a learning experience, whatever, whatever it is, there's always something that you can learn from every experience. So I've always kind of really lived by that and, and that's always like that's just kind of always what I do
0: yeah and I think a really cool aspect of that with you specifically is just it really feels like through everything you do that it's just you're being 100 percent authentic and yourself in it all
1: yeah and that's that's the other cool thing is like when I uh you know kind of fell into the contest scene all that my whole brand and career was built off authenticity um there's um there's nothing fake about me like that even if you watch my youtubes like some of my friends call me monotony because <laughs> i'm just like kind of monotone i'm not going to be that dude like hey what's up we're here blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, you know like what you get is what you get you know yep. what you see is what you get so um yeah uh, like i've always just built my brand my whole brand my career off being authentic i think it's like super super important yeah. um that's like my top note you know what I mean? For anyone that's out there trying to trying to make BMX or any action sports or whatever for a living, you know, just be authentic, be yourself and, uh, you know, work hard.
0: Yeah, I firmly believe in that as well. And I preach being yourself more than anything else. And, and what I like to say is, like, be so authentically yourself and in writing, be yourself so well and get so good at it that it makes somebody want you to be involved with them.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's usually what happens, you know? That's, like, some of the things, like, that you see, like, oh, so-and-so sponsored by whoever or whatever, and they're doing cool stuff. It's like they got there because they were being themselves, you know?
0: Yep, and that's, I mean, you just look at any any of the top-level BMX riders. So the I feel like the top-level pros that we all know of are like the people who are just themselves and then all of you see people underneath of that who are like riding it similarly or they're trying to be like the people that they look up to. But then when you look at that very top level, it's just a bunch of people who got amazingly good at their part of what they do.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, it takes time again. It's all, it's all like a learning experience, you know, Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen like that dude that, has a mindset like all right i idolize this guy like i need to learn all the tricks and do them the way he does them and then they go out there and they can't figure out why they're in not even making the finals and like the dude that idolizes on the podium or whatever you know Mm -hmm. but um like it all comes together at some point you know like some people start off that way and then they just find this side street and they go down it and they're like they just kind of find their way you know I've seen it over and over again, like so many athletes finding their way, you know, and it's yeah. so sick.
0: And you have to do it. it yeah. It, it doesn't feel right. I can't. I actually, I can't even say that. I'm sure it doesn't feel right to get to a certain level of anything by trying to be somebody else. Because you can't do it yeah. forever. It's, it can't last forever.
1: Yeah, totally. You can only hold up an act for so long, you know, but... yeah yeah. authenticity is is the way to go in my opinion i've just been that way my whole career so yeah so here's a great curveball for
0: you (laughs) dude named brody butterfield says anyway anthony hit us with a good b hunt story
1: oh man (laughs) (laughs) oh i've known brian hunt for so long i'm trying to think of like a really good one though uh all right one time we were in puerto rico and uh, we were literally just surfing and, and partying in Puerto Rico. It was awesome. We were there for like uh, you know, almost a week or whatever, just hanging out, riding a little BMX here and there, but mostly just like a nice vacation. Um, Brian was just on one, and we were at this like bar that was kind of on a second story, but in this small little town called Rincon. And uh, it was like kind of near the beach too, but. He kept looking around like where's brian where's brian and we'd like go outside and he'd just be on his back palms to the sky with his cell phone and his wallet on his chest he's like <laughs> brian get up get up come on we're like grab him drag him back into the bar and then you know we'd be hanging out and we look around where's brian again and we'd go back outside and be somewhere else just laid up <laughs> phone all in there he's the, he's the best i love him That's that's probably not the best story We've had so many times we've traveled around the world together like we've both been severely injured in places and helping each other out He's like one of my long life friends And uh, I love that dude Nice That was a good enough story I think Yeah Also Uh, I see that my phone is hitting 10%
0: Okay we can (laughs) can get this wrapped up soon I got just a couple more quick things No
1: you're good yeah we got this
0: So I can't remember if I've ever heard you talk about this or not, but is there anything that you're doing to try to have longevity for your body and, and in riding and stuff that you're like doing on purpose?
1: Yeah, honestly, uh, like mountain biking has, uh, helped a ton with that. Like, it's just a whole nother level of of fitness and Mm -hmm. that's kind of really why I like riding mountain bikes is like, I enjoy climbing up mountains, which sounds really weird. (laughs) <laughs> um, on the bike. Yeah. Cause most people don't like it. They want to take the shuttle to the top and they just want to bomb the downhill and have fun. Yeah. I kind of enjoy being in the pain cave. So that's, that's helped out a lot just with my fitness. I've never really been like a go to the gym or do CrossFit kind of guy. Like I've definitely gone through my phases of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, I get really into it and then I, I fall out of the practice and then I don't want to get back into it. Yeah. Um, so mountain biking has been like a pretty solid, consistent workout for me for the last like five years. Um, on the other hand, my brother is an absolute beast. Like he'll, <laughs> he's training for like an Ironman and he's like always doing CrossFit and he rides a gravel bike and he rides a mountain bike. He's just insane. He has two kids and he's like a super dad. That's um, funny. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Um, and really just like healthy eating. I've always been super self aware of like what i'm eating um Mm. i'm a total foodie though like you'll see if you follow me on instagram that i'm posting like the biggest feasts on the traeger and all that um but i try my best to eat really good stuff as well so it's it's really just about like proper dieting knowing what you're putting in your body knowing what works for your body because everyone's different you know Maybe some, some people's bodies work better on, on like leaner meats, maybe some on fattier meats, like whatever it is, or no meats at all, you know, Just or only meat. Doing. or <laughs> only meat. Yeah. I knew the man, the, uh, Sam that used to own tree, Sam used, from to tree only yeah. Eat, yeah, used to only eat raw meat out of glass mason jars that were like the meat was green and yeah. So anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really just, I train on the mountain bike a lot with the climbing and everything and the endurance of, like, going downhill and, and doing that whole thing. Um, I'm not much of a stretcher. I used to go in and out of stretching, but I, I feel like I found that once you start stretching, you can't stop stretching. Mm. And that, if you do stop stretching, that's where you start to feel like, oh, I'm hurting, I'm tight, whatever. Like, oh. I've never been a big stretcher, so... I don't stretch it all ever. Well, for me, <laughs> but I'm pretty flexible. I just don't stretch it all.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I I just stretch like when I feel the tightness, and then I'll use totally. like the the percussion massage gun thing. Yeah, yeah. When I, I have use all those. that
1: stuff. Yeah.
0: What about? Uh, do you do any kind of supplements, vitamins?
1: Um, Mike Spinner hooks me up with a lot of E.V.L. stuff. Oh, so... these? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, them. these oh yeah
0: those yeah we love you Mike (laughs) yes we do we love you Mike
1: (laughs) so um yeah I I use a lot of the EVL products um I also ride for uh just live CBD so I do a lot of CBD stuff as well this one's my favorite Oh yeah. The BCA. So usually I do like the, in the mornings, I do the pre-workout and I'll put it in a water bottle and I'll drink it like 10, 15 minutes before, excuse me, before I get to the trailhead. And then what's usually inside my water bottle on my bike is the BCAA.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I like to mix that up so I can have something that tastes better than water for lunch
1: right yeah and
0: take the vitamins in the morning and dude it's i swear it's the kind of thing i talk about this all the time because it's like important because i notice if i miss out on this stuff for a couple days like all of it i feel it yeah and you can, yep. you can definitely tell when you're like your body's like running well and then you're not giving it the stuff that it's used to running well on you feel it
1: right yeah i try and get most like most like, vitamins and nutrition just through the food that i eat Mm. um sometimes i do go through these kicks like i have a a cold press like juicer yeah so sometimes i get really into that um like if if i'm injured there's times where i'm only just doing juices gotcha yeah so juices and then eating like you know chicken and rice and chicken rice beans whatever ahi tuna steaks stuff like that um And then, you know, if if I'm injured and I'm on that program, I'm also like, depending on what the injury is, sometimes I'll be like out and about on the road bike, just keeping keeping the blood going or like on the Peloton or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think one thing before uh, my last question, Uh, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people also don't realize that, you know, you have a really hard riding day, you ride eight hours in one day and, and you go crazy hard and then the next day you're just like, oh, you sometimes need a cool down ride so that you can like ease into that or you can make it worse feeling on yourself.
1: Yeah, there's days, there's definitely been days where we get a big crew together on the mountain bikes and we're like, all right, we're doing like a 5,000, you know, 5,000 feet climb today and then we're going to hit the downhill and it's like five hours in the saddle sometimes. Mm -hmm. So if that's a tough day and usually like the next morning I'll hop on the road ride and I'll just go pedal for 15 miles and just chill out, you know, yeah. Just get the blood, get the blood moving, flush out all the bad stuff, it all the helps. lactic acids and, and uh, just kind of recover from that.
0: Yeah, it's real. It's definitely real. Um, so my last question, and I hope I'm not wrong in remembering this. But I feel like I remember you used to post something about uh, reptiles.
1: Oh yeah, chameleons. Do panther you still chameleons. do that? I do not have any panther chameleons, but I'm still really great friends with uh, with like the breeders and the family that I was getting the chameleons from. They live like just 40 minutes inland from me. Um, I, thought, yeah. I don't do them anymore, but I wish they're they're so cool. I've always. I've always had like some type of reptile, like since I was a kid. Had like a knolls, and then graduated to like uh, bearded dragons and iguanas. But Mm -hmm. there was a time when I was like, I don't know, in my teens, and I had a panther chameleon. And uh, I was just once that was over, I was just so bummed, and I always wanted like a panther chameleon again. Yeah. And uh, a hand, like probably five years ago or whatever, I got another one and then next thing you know i had like three of them and then i actually did a thing where i was breeding them that's what and i was like gonna I, ask about yeah yeah i was breeding them and in and, and selling them and i had like customers and returning customers and and stuff like that um and this was in a time where i was only riding bmx and it was really really slow at the time mm. so uh i don't know i just kind of fell into it somehow and it worked out but uh yeah i haven't i haven't had chameleons for i don't know probably probably four four years gotcha yeah that sounds about right yeah probably four years
0: <laughs> i i feel like i know how you fell into it probably the same way i fell into crested geckos because yeah exactly. i bought one and then i was like Oh, you can breed these things this easily. All right, I'm gonna buy a breeding pair. Then I buy a breeding pair, and the next thing you know, I got like a thousand dollars and all this stuff, and I'm buying a really expensive baby on the internet. Oh yeah, and, and like, I could never sell them. So like, I literally have one, two, three, four, five, six. Six right now. There
1: yeah. you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I literally. Yeah, they're have such
1: there's such interesting creatures especially with chameleons they run on bloodlines almost like like dogs do. literally
0: like dogs yeah
1: yeah so it's like in in panther chameleons only come from the island of Madagascar and they're kind of named after their state so like the mm. state in Madagascar is Ambalobi or Sambava or yeah. Nosibe, as to where like say we had chameleons in the states you know it'd be like Ohio and Pennsylvania whatever mm-hmm. it would be you know um but they yeah they like tried to breed them pure like you have to breed like the envelope females and males together i mean they do crosses and stuff but um yeah it's like people are like oh is it like pure blood envelope or pure blood this it's it gets hectic it's crazy
0: it's funny and it's funny too because crested geckos are the same way they only come from the island of new caledonia and okay yeah and just the craziness of that so I was just curious if you still, so you don't have anything yeah, at all right I, now?
1: I I don't right now, no. I would definitely like to, but it would have to be in a time where life slows down and I can be home and take care. The last thing I want to do is like it to be a burden on anyone, you know? So right. I try to live within within my means most times, stay in my lane and not drag too many people into my life, you know?
0: i get it yeah we're about to move into this house i got all these geckos and i'm like what am i gonna do when we go away for a whole weekend and these things need fed and watered every day (laughs) yeah that's life though so uh it is anthony where can people find you on the internet and what do you have coming up for people to pay attention to
1: um well i'm pretty much anthony napo Uh, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-N-A-P-O across all social media platforms. Uh, You can find me on YouTube, I think under my full name and maybe I can't remember if I created a handle on there or not, but it'd be my full name. A N T H O N Y. You made a handle
0: and it's NAPO. It's the same as Instagram, but for some reason it doesn't come up when you search it.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's probably something about, you know, know how YouTube is all crazy. Yeah, I probably didn't hit the level to where I could use a handle yet. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm mostly active on uh, my Instagram, and I push everything from Instagram onto Facebook, uh, fan page, and Twitter. If you're a Twitter person, which is crazy because there are so many Twitter people out there still.
0: Yeah, so there's all of that, and then like, who all are you riding for these days? Can you remember the whole list?
1: Um, yeah, let's hope so <laughs>
0: I, I'm going to have it up um, here in case you yeah. uh, miss any
1: So uh, on the BMX side I ride for Colony BMX brand Maxxis Tires uh, Yoshimira Cycling ODI Grips uh, 510 which is Adidas Footwear uh, Ethica 5050 Bikes um, And then I think that's it Did I say Maxxis?
0: You might not have, but now you do.
1: Okay, Maxis. Um, and then on the mountain bike side, basically all of those brands <laughs> that like kind of connect. Like, oh, Profile Racing, obviously, guys. That's yeah. the whole reason we're here. <laughs> Literally. So, <laughs> yeah, Profile ODI, Yoshimura, 510. Um, those all transfer to mountain bike. I ride for YT Industries. Um, I get a lot of support from Marzocchi uh, Suspension. DD components Uh, I've had I actually have a signature uh, protection kit from a company named Bro. so it stands for do you even drift bro Mm. Uh, and you can get a protection kit for the BMX bike and mountain bikes so I actually have one on my BMX it's a like signature Anthony Anthony Napo uh, protection kit it's all kind of like tattoo inspired artwork on the on the protection kit, which is really sick. I, that was actually one of the cooler things that I did on that side. Um, and I think, that, oh, and just live CBD. I'm trying to think. Let's. I feel like I hit them all somehow.
0: Well, if there was more, they're not listed on your Instagram because I think you hit everything on there.
1: True. I hit so everything that you see on my Instagram is like people that pay to be there. So. Uh, Um, that's that's kind of my rule for social media Um, I do small things a lot of story stuff for brands that I work with that don't like pay to play Mm -hmm. Um, so you'll see that I post a lot of Traeger stuff they take care they take care of me and my brother really well so Traeger grills big shout out to you guys Um, we do more with them than just posting stuff on the internet they fly us places and invite us to cool events and whatnot Um, yeah, and there's a bunch of other brands out there. I started kind of working with this Waterloo, uh, sparkling water brand. And, uh, yeah, so that's that.
0: Hell yeah. So for everyone who's still here, Galaxy Rust is coming out March 11th. For week
1: of the 13th, right? Week of the 13th? Yeah,
0: the notes say March 11th.
1: Yeah, you're right. Sorry.
0: And you're gonna have to be on it people
1: (laughs) yep be on it hit up your local bike like hit them up now talk to your local bike shops if you have one particular that carries profile racing hit them up because as soon as this goes live they're absolutely gonna know they're gonna get the emails the morning they get to work and you're gonna want to have your order in then so they can get it
0: there it is so check them out and uh thanks for doing this Anthony this was sick
1: yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. It was a really good chat. I'm stoked we were able to link up. I'm, I'm real happy that this was something that we talked about a year, maybe a y- over a year, and here we are now. So We made it happen.
0: So on that note, everyone, check them out and have a good night.
1: Thanks, guys.